Welcome to the Don't Get Hurt Twice podcast. My name is Jay Chad Parker. I'm a personal injury trial lawyer. I'm board certified in personal injury trial law. Uh, we're here today uh, on another subject uh, for the podcast. Uh, these podcasts are different topics that are helpful to people who've been injured in a car accident, hurt in some way, and may have a bodily injury or a personal injury claim. Now, my perspective on this is is kind of like my personality. I, I, this is straight talk. This is, I, I'm not uh, presenting it to you with rosy colored glasses. I'm telling you what I think is important and why I think it's important. And that's just information for you to have. You can agree with it, disagree with it, um, but it's all meant to be helpful to you, whether you use me as your lawyer or not, uh, when being involved and going through a personal injury claim. Um, this topic, we're going to say, can be defined as uh, how do you approach the medical treatment or your medical treatment after an accident, okay? And the first thing that, that I want to separate from that is the property damage itself may suggest that you were hurt, but it really has nothing to do with it. The reason I say that is because I've deposed numerous and numerous of DPS trooper who will always say, I've seen people in horrible crashes that walked away and weren't hurt at all. And then I will depose doctors, many of which will admit that not a lot of impact or force can sometimes cause a person to be injured to the point where, uh, you know, it tore their rotator cuff just by the jerk from the seatbelt, or they moved wrong and ended up with a surgery of some kind. And so um, a lot of people somehow bring in photographs, which I, I like to have them. And if they show a lot of damage, they're like, man, my car was totaled, you know. But the truth is, these are two different things. And in reality, what you need to know is these claims, that is a property damage claim and a bodily injury claim, are handled by two different people. Um, the same person's not listening to uh, the problems you're, you're having with the car and understanding that it's a total loss or there's this much damage. Uh, this person uh, is not even in communication in most instances with the person who's curious about whether you're hurt or not. So um, your property damage being one thing, and it will not affect really your bodily injury claim uh, unless they were skeptical that you could have been hurt and there's tremendous damage. And so I use the property damage photos, as I've said before in other podcast episodes, in the demands that I write. That's where I think they're important. That's why I think they're, they're, they're good to have because it can confront an insurance adjuster with, hey, this person was in something that looks like there could have been forces that would hurt them to the point where it would be reasonable for them to seek and need medical treatment. That's really what we're getting at. Like, this was reasonable for them to go or be taken, for instance, by an ambulance to the emergency room. Normally, uh, an ambulance shows up either called by someone else or notified or dispatched by the fire department or the police officer. Um, I, I tell my clients to be clear when they give deposition testimony. I mean, did you ask for an No, I didn't. They showed up and they in many instances, talk you into going to the emergency room to get checked out. Well, I mean, why is that? Let's think about that. Um, you may not look hurt, but depending on the impact, you could have internal injuries. There could be something wrong with you. But on the other hand, I think the uh, 
hospitals and the ambulance, you know, which is connected with the hospital, they err on the side of, of maybe um, making sure you're okay and also making money at the same time. Um, you know, an ambulance is a, a ride to a hospital and an evaluation where they immediately have a uh, property lien on your personal injury case, which means um, when you show up at the hospital, and if you happen to have health insurance and you present it to them, they don't have to accept it. Most people are really shocked by that. They're like, I've got this health insurance. And the insurance company says, uh, no, thank you. You've been in an auto accident. We're going to treat this as an auto accident, which you know why they do it. Because health insurance has contractual rates that pay them a lot less for the same service. They can stick to their original costs and maybe negotiate with me some later but recover usually substantially more for the same bill. Now, so that can affect you. So, yes, if you feel like you need to be checked out, by all means, get checked out after an accident. But under no circumstances, simply go to the emergency room with absolutely no complaints. All right. That may be reasonable for you to take your child in the event that you're concerned that, you know, maybe the child can't communicate uh, exactly what may or may not happen. But where I become the most frustrated with my clients is they've been to the emergency room. Um, they've they've already started some physical therapy or something. And then uh, lo and behold, two weeks later on the weekend, they go to the emergency room again and say they're in pain. Now, that could be reasonable under a scenario in which they were seeing a chiropractor still not getting any better, the chiropractor not being able to prescribe medication, and really being in some pain or distress beyond what they could handle. I could see that happening. But in most instances, you know, it makes no sense to return to the emergency room uh, unless, one, you've been advised by them to return, uh, like in the instance where they're, they've told you that you had a concussion, they're going to follow you, and to come back if you, you know, uh, if you continue to experience Symptoms like dizziness, headaches, uh, blurry vision, things of that nature, unless you're seeing another doctor. Then, of course, there'd be no reason for you to return to the emergency room. So, first generalization about the approach to medical treatment, it should be reasonable, right? You should do things and not do things that your peers, that is the 12 people on a jury, would think was reasonable if they were here in your case. If, you know, if you and I are talking and I say, hey, do you think people would really think that was reasonable and you agree with me that it wouldn't be? Imagine the insurance adjuster that's evaluating your case as well as jury what they might think about that. Now, the question becomes, you know, initially, a lot of people don't know for sure if they're hurt. There's a lot of adrenaline that's pumped, pumped in their body, depending on the kind of accident. Uh, I get reports from people a lot of time that it goes from stiffness and it migrates to pain. At first, I thought I was just stiff, and then by the time I've got to the emergency room, I was in pain. Now, if you were in pain beforehand, in many of the medical records I see, and this could be helpful for you to know this for deposition testifying as well, you'll see on the ambulance ride to the emergency room, they've given you a fentanyl injection. That's for uh, severe pain. And so it, it'll show pain numbers go down from eight to two or four or something like that when you get to the hospital. Later on, you'll get asked about, hey, you don't seem like you're in that much pain, when if you were smart or you could remember, you would simply say, well, yeah, that's because I had gotten an injection of fentanyl about an hour earlier. 
So you get to the hospital. Now, don't, don't misunderstand what the hospital really is. Hospital's there to stabilize, not to treat anybody. They, they check you out. They rule out fractures, dislocations, internal injuries. You'll see that in CT scans of neck, head, chest, abdomen, pelvis. They're looking for things, internal bleeding, things of that nature that nobody could discover and you might not have symptoms of, whereby you might go home and have a real problem that went undiagnosed. They know that you may not feel the full effects of your injuries, and often personnel from the emergency room tell my clients, hey, you're probably going to feel a lot worse tomorrow. Well, they don't say, and by the way, come on back and we'll do physical therapy for you, because that's not how hospitals are set up. So you need to decide in the days following your evaluation at the emergency room, if you had one, uh, if, you, if you believe yourself to be hurt, uh, want or need medical treatment. I tell my clients all the time, look, you don't have to tough out anything for the insurance company. That's the reason that people are required to carry certain amount of insurance. They have to have insurance or it's against the law. It's because property to fix a person's car and also for bodily injury. So if you didn't have back pain or neck pain before and you have it after a car wreck, you have every right. It is within your right to go seek treatment Reasonable medical treatment is the definition to try and eliminate it or resolve the problems. And you don't need to feel bad about it. Um, you know, insurance companies often want you to tough it out, walk it off, or, you know, just get over it. Time will handle it. They want you to do everything that uh, doesn't cost any money when that's exactly why the policies are in place with the general public. Now, of course, the business aspect of this is if they don't pay out any claims and everybody toughed it out and never got evaluated, never got any treatment, the insurance profits would just be that much higher. So you got to figure out if you're hurt and you need uh, treatment. Um, you know, the, the emergency room generally will provide uh, what's called discharge medication. A lot of times I see muscle relaxers, I see something for pain, and I see uh, generally non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. I'll see one or a combination of those medications. And by the way, they'll say, follow up with your healthcare provider should your symptoms continue or get worse. Now, that begs the question, who are you? What category do you fall in? Health insurance? Yes. Health insurance? No. Okay. That's, you know, it's not unusual for many people uh, in the state of Texas, in East Texas, especially not to have any access to uh, health insurance. Um, so if you do, you've got to make a decision on who can you go to and how does that affect uh, issues like whether they will see me, gaps in treatment, things of that nature. And I submit to you, my experience has been primary care doctors are usually internists, family medicine practitioners. You go there, they're not set up to start you on physical therapy. They're not set up there to provide you a trigger point injection or an occipital nerve block that might help whiplash-related headaches go away. Initially, those type of steroid injections are meant to uh, reduce spasm, reduce pain, and allow you to perform physical exercises, i.e. physical therapy, in such a way that promotes blood flow, hopefully uh, helps you resolve things quicker. And so, how much time do you waste going to a primary care doctor who then gets you another prescription and not a prescription for physical therapy? So, my, obviously, the, my clients that don't have health insurance, 
uh, ask me what can they do, and I can provide them uh, different doctors that provide chiropractic treatment alone, physical therapy, uh, as well as chiropractic treatment uh, to start the process of them getting better for something they didn't cause in the first place. Now, you know, I like the physical therapist, uh, the doctor approach where that office is combined because what? You know, some of the criticism from defense doctors is, hey, you should have started on uh, an immediate dose of corticosteroids, meloxicam, uh, metrol dose pack. You've heard all these names. And, and they'll say, well, you should have done that. But if you go to a chiropractor, oftentimes because they can't prescribe medication, you're never going to have that as an, as an avenue to healing, an avenue to treatment until if the chiropractic treatment is concluded and you still have problems, you're then referred to a physical therapy doctor of some kind. So that, that's my, those are my own personal views about a therapist office with a doctor, the ability to do injections and things of that nature. Not the invasive injections, but the, the trigger point, just like a, if you had a shot uh, type of steroid injections that may be helpful to you. Um, you know, it's easy to see when you think about the medicine and your treatment, how you know, oral medications are, are, are diluted throughout the body when you take them orally. And injections, uh, you know, provide the medicine, the steroid, if you will, very close to the location of what is believed to be the injured source or the pain generator. Um, our doctors, the ones that we send people to, are used to seeing people that have been in car accidents. And so they understand what's important to the insurance company, like, you know, what's your pain like today? How did the accident happen? Have you ever been injured in that area before? Uh, here's what we think needs to be done. Um, here's what we hope happens to you uh, in a matter of, you know, six to eight weeks. And they document this information uh, in the medical records. Um, I personally believe uh, with the advent of electronic medical records that sometimes my clients don't get the fairest of shake in exactly what happened because what you have is a, a program uh, where boxes are checked and people are in a hurry. And, and sometimes you can tell by the, what the record says that it's not making really that much sense in certain areas. But, of course, the defense lawyers, the insurance companies, they look at the medical records as if that's an accurate, immovable record in time. That is, they don't accept what I suggest, which is, hey, that's only at the time they were there when they had that medical document created. The insurance company talks in, 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 in phrases like, well, on October 5th, you know, you weren't having any pain at all. Well, um, they could have just simply had a steroid injection two days before. You know, there's things like that that your lawyer can explain. But I move to the point of you need to try to be as accurate as you can about what's wrong with you. And when I say accurate, I mean, just, you know, tell them how you feel. Tell them if you feel differently as the day goes on. Tell you, uh, tell them if some activity causes more pain or discomfort than other activities so that that might make itself into the records. Now, there's nothing wrong with that because that's the truth. And just because the medical records themselves don't ask all those questions doesn't mean it's still not true. The defense lawyers certainly will not ask any of those questions. They'll simply focus on information that they feel like benefits them that, hey, you were a two out of 10. 
even though it had to do with how you felt in the morning, after you'd gotten up, maybe you'd taken some medication uh, before you'd really done anything uh, before the day was over. So the medical records really chart your history, okay? They tell a story, an evolving story, about how you, client X, is doing. What they said that's documented along the way, how they felt, um, what was happening, what was being done to them, what tests were being contemplated. So this is all the other side, insurance company, defense lawyer, whatever stage we're in, this is all they have. Now, they also have the good, bad, and the ugly. That is, um, it, I don't think it's a good idea to say things that aren't helpful to your case. And I'm not saying to be dishonest. I'm not saying to answer things untruthfully. I'm simply saying um, additional information that if you step back and look at it and it doesn't make you look better, it makes you look worse, it minimizes the injury that you sustained in this um, my suggestion would be not to say it because a lot of times you don't know what you say and what they will put in the records. And once it's in the records, uh, it's hard to deal with. Um, you know, personal problems, things of that nature, certainly, um, you know, other than truthful answers to questions or ask is something that I would, um, I would shy away from. Um, the record is meant to be the most complete and accurate documentation on that day at that time of what you were experiencing from the car accident. That should be your goal when you help create it. Um, also, you help create medical records in ways that you don't understand. For instance, let's say you had visits that were scheduled and during the month of April, uh, you missed six appointments. Um, some would say that that reflects a lack of seriousness, a lack of commitment to showing up to the treatments without a really good excuse. Now, last couple of years, there's been some good excuses. I mean, people have gotten COVID. Uh, there's been the ice storm of a century. I've dealt with those kind of things in my demands in medical records for the last two years. And I'm sure there's going to be some more of that in the future. But it seems that, you know, lengthy and continued absence from a therapy regimen that's been prescribed by a doctor to get you better um, indicates that you're not serious and maybe deserving uh, of a settlement offer uh, that you feel like you deserve. And so be careful uh, about, uh, you know, missing appointments. And when you do, the next time that you go, provide an explanation as to why you missed the last one. Um, if you need help uh, getting to a doctor visit, then you can reach out to friends, family, even my office uh, in certain circumstances uh, to help you get to that appointment. Um, the medical record, as I talked about, um, being the snapshot in time, uh, doesn't get created if you don't have access to a healthcare provider. I mean, that, I know that seems obvious, but you're sitting over there thinking, I'm hurt. Um, I know I'm hurt. I know how bad I'm hurt. I know it hadn't gotten any better. And I'm just going to try to tell somebody that a month later. Well, um, let me just tell you in the, you know, over the telephone, email, very little human contact world, people don't send, tend to feel sorry for you or even believe you. Um, 
So it's very important that you do have medical treatment if you have some of those symptoms or problems and they get checked out. Now, we talked about the two categories. In certain circumstances, you know, my clients have health insurance and they have access uh, to different doctors and it will take a while because as you know, health insurance is kind of a managed care. So, you know, uh, they're kind of managing where you go and it's not an all out um, agenda on their part to get you well as quickly as possible. And I can tell you, I've deposed doctors before and asked them these very questions like, hey, you would agree with me that a person's health insurance and the reimbursements and the approval that they provide, that that limits what you'd like to do in some circumstances, wouldn't you? Most every one of them says yes. So what does that tell us? Just because health insurance will pay for it or pay for it doesn't mean that that's the proper treatment. That is all of it. I mean, um, doctors will admit if they had a free hand to order the tests that they wanted, to do the procedures they wanted to do, that they would likely be more and cost more than, quote, managed health care allows. Now, that leads me to the point of um, the things, the way that I get my client's medical treatment. It's often under what's called a letter of protection. That is, you don't have any health insurance. You don't have any way to see a doctor. But we know you're hurt. You know you're hurt. Um, I want to pass you off to somebody who can, you know, v- validate your 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 complaints, test for them, determine your credibility separate and apart from me, and that's a medical doctor. Medical doctor, you know, has a Hippocratic oath to essentially be honest and do no harm, if you will. That is, they're supposed to try to make people better and not do things that are not medically reasonable. So in a perfect world, you don't have any health insurance. I hand you off to a, a, a doctor or a facility with a letter of protection that says, hey, they're going to treat you on credit. That is, they're going to treat you with the hopes that I've made a good decision, like it's not your fault. We have a chance to recover. And because of all that, I'm going to pay them back for the medical treatment at the end of the day. Now, you can imagine defense lawyers um, have a field day with that being some kind of nefarious uh, concept or system. But what's funny is most of the time when I depose, uh, take the deposition of their doctors, their doctors admit to taking letters of protection in the past because it's always been a way in which insurance monies from a car accident could be ac- accessed by healthcare providers for giving people legitimate treatment that they needed. But your lawyer's reputation expands the number of doctors that will take a letter of protection. I mean, I mean, imagine yourself as a doctor out there working, and lawyers come to you, and you do all this stuff for their patient, and then times come to settle, and they don't pay you back. Yeah, I understand why doctors get gun-shy on that, on that procedure sometime, which is why your lawyer's reputation is key to you having more opportunities to seek more treatment if you need it, see more specialists across the broader spectrum uh, so that if you're injured, uh, your knee, your shoulder, or something else can be fixed if, if it's possible. I mean, look, I mean, uh, imagine a lawyer has a client who has a, an injury to a rotator cuff, but no, and you have no health insurance. That lawyer doesn't have the respect, uh, understanding, experience, or reputation to get a doctor to do a surgery 
on that shoulder under a letter of protection. Well, guess what? I mean, how, how do you how do you ever get any better? Uh, you don't. And it was directly caused by the car accident. And so the letter of protection, um, you know, it doesn't involve health insurance, which is a good thing, in my opinion. Um, they're free to uh, look over the bills, which they will, the insurance company, say that they're too expensive because they are, because insurance companies in most cases like to use Medicare prices for everything else everybody else should get. And so, you know, that's a common uh, fight that we have to make. And I think the public is waking up and understanding that more and more. Uh, and as, as it becomes harder and more expensive for people to have uh, health insurance, there's some really good quality, credible people that don't have health insurance who in the situation that we've been describing would have no access to health care beyond a stabilizing emergency room visit. At that point, depending on the type of work you did, whether you were an office worker, whether you work for a living uh, manually with your hands or you had to be up on your feet, I mean, it may be important to you and you may it may change your opinion of what a letter of protection is, not some sinister system to allow uh, you know people to treat when they shouldn't be treating, but when a really good person who's injured through no fault of their own has an opportunity to get well. And, and it, sure, are there examples where people don't do the right things? People try to take advantage of the system? Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it, but I can tell you, uh, as a person who represents injured people, it's, it's much rarer than is suggested uh, by the people that, that make those criticisms or claims. And so, you know, the topic for today was hopefully to expand some of the details about um, why and how uh, approaching your medical uh, is important and how it can affect your bodily injury claim and ultimately your settlement or the outcome of your case. Um, all of this um, and these podcasts that I make are done not to market you. Uh, I always say, you don't have to come see me, but if you have the benefit of this before you have a problem, it may be helpful in you having a successful outcome, whether it's with me or some other lawyer. In the end, this whole thing is all about the, the title, and that's so you don't get what? Hurt twice. 